right, all right. I want to welcome all of our campuses to the third week of our series entitled, Is This the End? Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. So we are in a study on the book of Revelation. If you have not been here the last couple weeks, uh, we're actually studying and looking at the last book of the Bible. And I know we have a lot of new Christians, a lot of people even checking out Christianity at our church. And, and just to give you just a quick little insight, the Bible is it's broken up into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. We're actually studying the last book of the New Testament, the last book of the whole Bible. Today, <clears throat> I want to talk to you out of Revelation chapter 4 and 5. I want to talk to you about God's divine rescue plan. God's divine rescue plan. I'll never forget the time when I was fishing uh, with a good buddy of mine. I won't tell you his name. is Well, it's actually John. <clears throat> Some of you guys know John. And we were in the Gulf of Mexico, and we were tied up to an oil rig. And I, I saw this bad weather coming. I said, John, man, I'm really concerned about this weather. You see this weather? And he says, oh, Pastor, don't worry about that. I said, no, John, I'm, like, I'm concerned. So here comes this weather, and the next thing you know, lightning's just firing off everywhere. And so he goes, well, let's untie this thing. Let's just get going. And so we're just moving. I said, John, two questions. Number one, can we outrun this storm? Number two, can lightning hit this boat? He said, number one, we can't outrun the storm. And number two, lightning can hit the boat. And then he says this, Pastor, if it's your time to go, it's your time to go. I said, John, let me help you. It's not my time to go. Man, we're just moving. I mean, I'm just telling, man, just gun it. Just go as fast as you can. Of course, we get all the way. We get almost to the marsh. Almost, and, and, and this is almost like a movie. And we start sputtering a little bit. Boom. And we break down. I said, John, this is not a joke. I mean, I mean, lightning's just everywhere. It's like it's followed us. It was like a demonic thing. I'm serious. So we just break down. I'm like, John, what's going on? You know, I'm a little bit aggravated. I'm like, John. I'm like, wait, I'm a pastor. John. Let's get moving. And probably there are five or ten minutes, and <clears throat> out of nowhere, it's crazy, a friend of his came, tied us up, pulled us all the way back to Venice Marina. I was so grateful. I said, John, did you have that plan? He said, no, but it sure was an answer to his prayer. Now, let me just say this. Maybe you've not been on a fishing trip rescued before, but maybe there's been other difficult areas in your life that you've been in. Maybe it was financially. Maybe it was like, man, you were just like at the end of your rope. And, and, and here it is, some, some way something happened. Or maybe it's in a marriage relationship. And maybe you got in a small group. You thought, you know what, honey? We're going to go to this small group. This is going to be the last time. And, and it's, almost like, it's almost like God threw you like a, a, just a rescue rope. And you're sitting here today saying, Pastor, we, we were rescued. John is on the Isle of what's called Patmos, a Greek island. Again, if you weren't here, please go back. Watch week one, week two. It's a seven-week series. It's really important if you can kind of track with this in a linear fashion. John is on a Greek island, the Isle of Patmos, a penal colony. Basically, he's there for preaching the gospel. And he gets this revelation. Jesus shows up, begins to speak to him. Revelation chapter 1 is about what was. Revelation chapter 2 and 3 is about what was actually happening right then. 
seven churches. John had a message, Jesus had a message through John to the seven churches in Asia Minor. John, listen, begins to write in chapter 4, watch this, all the way through 22 of what is to come. Now, we're entering into a new phase in this book. Today we're going to talk about what's called apocalyptic. I'm going to give you some terms, and that's about a revealing of, quote, end times. Revelation chapter 4 and 5, a little bit of 3, but 4 and 5, begins to introduce this theme that I'm using the words, the great rescue plan. I want to talk to you today about the rapture. Everybody say that word with me. Can you say it to count of three? One, two, three. Say it. Rapture. Pastor Steve, do you believe in the rapture? Do you believe the Bible teaches that? The answer is yes and yes, and I'm going to share with you today why I believe the Bible talks about a rapture. What is the rapture? Now, we, again, I don't have to say this every week, we live in very difficult times, not just economically, politically. I'm going to, next week, I'm going to talk about in the book of, well, as I get into 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10, I'm going to talk about the tribulation. By the way, this is very important. Is the nations that are even in war, is Russia in the Bible? I'm going to talk about that in the weeks to come. What is this whole bear from the north thing? Now, I know there's a lot of new Christians in our church. Hang with me. This is really going to help you over the next week four, week five, week six, even as we get to the end, week seven. I'm going to talk about the tribulation next week, about what, this is interesting, what nations currently geopolitically, pastor, do you see any of them in the book of Revelation? I'm going to be unpacking that next week and the next. Today I want to talk to you about this concept of the, rev of, of, of the rapture. The world is getting worse. By the way, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 60, that was going to happen. It says the darkness is going to get darker. By the way, the world's not even trying to hide it now. It's like it's just like right out in the open. It's like, oh, oh, that's evil. Well, we know that because we've been born again. But the Bible talks about it. It says darkness is going to get darker, Isaiah chapter 60, and the light is going to get lighter. Here's the good news. We as believers can have a spirit of faith. Everybody say faith. We don't believe we just go hide off and we just, you know, just kind of just wait until the rapture. No, we believe in penetrating culture, the light of the world. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. Salt penetrates, salt purifies it's important that you're here. It's important that the church is here. Can you imagine our culture today when the church is gone? That's coming, by the way. Pastor Steve, why do we even talk about the end times? I mean, you know, do you think Jesus is coming back? By the way, Mark chapter 13, 32, Jesus said of that day, an hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son of Man, only the Father knows. Then what's the value? Pastor, what's the value of talking about the end times? Let me say three things about it. Number one, whether Jesus comes back in five years, 50 years, or 500 years, the question is, are you ready? Because, number two, it is your end times. Fact of the matter is, we don't get another shot at this. Well, you didn't do good last time. Coming back. It's appointed unto man once. Everybody say once. We don't believe in reincarnation. Boom. So what's the purpose of teaching about the end times? Number one, it's our end times, but it puts a zeal in our hearts with an anticipation, listen, where we stay on fire for God, but really it gives us an evangelistic heart to be able to reach our loved ones for Christ before the end. 
before the end. Hey, if you and I knew, if you knew you got 30 days left, I guarantee you, your priorities would switch. You'd be praying more. You'd be fasting. You'd be crying out. You'd be, listen, confessing the promises of God over loved ones, over neighbors and friends. Why? Because you knew the time was short. The New Testament, specifically, even in the book of Revelation, it's an urgency it puts in our heart. The time is short. I want to be very clear. It's my opinion, and you're going to see this today, when the evidence is all in. I believe in what's called a pre-tribulation rapture, which means prior to the tribulation, prior, there's a seven-year seven tribulation. Prior to that, I believe the church will be raptured out of here. By the way, I'm going to give you scripture why I believe that. I know that there's some disagreement on that. I know there's some Bible scholars that believe in what's called a mid-tribulation rapture, like at month 42. Some believe at the end. I personally believe, according to Scripture, I've been studying this a long time, I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. By the way, here's the chart. You can go to churchoftheking.com, too, or our app. Download our app. I put all of my notes every week on version or our app. All of my notes, all of the Scripture, all of the charts. Here's one. Let's pull it up. All right, so where are we right now? Where are we right, we're right now since Acts chapter 2, by the way? The church began. The birth of the church, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2. We're right here. The next event I see in Scripture, you'll see here in a moment, why I believe that, is what's called the rapture of the church. All right? There's a trumpet. The Lord comes to the clouds. He does not come all the way to the earth. By the way, I see a distinct difference scripturally in the rapture where Jesus comes to the clouds, takes his church up versus the second coming where Christ comes all the way to the earth, to Jerusalem, sets up his earthly kingdom, a literal thousand-year reign of Christ with his people in Jerusalem. So I see the, the rapture and the second coming as two distinct events. Let me note here, this is very, very, very important. There's a seven-year tribulation. By the way, I'm going to talk about this next week. Very important because things I believe are beginning to line up that actually position this. It's fascinating. Keep your eye on Israel, the Middle East. It's always, it's, it's almost like that's God's prophetic time clock. What happens? Can a nation be born in a day? The answer is yes. It happened to the nation of Israel. I'm going to talk all about that next week and the following week. Okay. Pastor Steve, do we see the rapture predicted in the book of Revelation? Good question. I believe the answer is yes. Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Because you've kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour, listen to this, the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Who's he writing to? Remember, John's giving the message, but it's our, our Lord's words. It's one of the seven churches, the church at Philadelphia. And here's what he says. He says, because you have kept my command and persevered, I will also keep you from the hour of trial. Well, if the church goes through the tribulation... By the way, we all go through tribulation, but there's a great tribulation. There's a difference. Does that make sense? Well, if the Lord is keeping you, if they're keeping them, 
than, than undermines the argument of some Christians that believe that we go through the tribulation, where clearly it says here. Here's another one. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica. Here's what he says. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. The purpose of the rapture is to snatch the church from the world before the judgments of the seven-year tribulation. Now, immediately, I've got people, and I'm going to answer as many questions as I can. I'm going to talk slower. I had three people email me before this series said, Pastor, talk slow. And I understand it's a lot of information. So here's one of the questions that people get. They say, well, this is coming from a Western mindset, from a preacher that says this. But pastor, if you go all over the world, I mean, people are being, how can you say that the church is going to be raptured from the great tribulation, prior to the great, when people are being persecuted all over the world? For example, 2015, many of us still remember, seven years ago. I mean, it was like on, on the news, we would see as ISIS was driving Christians out of the Middle East. I mean, it's vivid in my, in my memory, the you would see the Coptic Christians. You, you guys can remember them. They were kneeling down on the beach, and you would see ISIS literally decapitate the people. So, so here's the argument that some would have. Pastor Steve, how can you say Christians won't go through the Great Tribulation, and yet Christians are being killed for their faith? Let me say something. That's not the judgment of God. That's the judgment of man inspired by demons. That's, a, that's much different than the judgment of God. Does that make sense? Second of all, the judgment of God is global in nature. It's not specific on a beach outside of the Mediterranean Sea. So there's a big difference there. Horrific albeit absolutely, but that's not the great tribulation. We also see the apostle John allude to the rapture in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in the heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet, watch this, speaking with me, saying, come up here. So John is hearing a voice, watch this, come up here, and I will show you things which must take place Afterwards, I heard a voice like a trumpet. Notice the elements accompanying John's transport to this heavenly scene. An angel's voice and a trumpet. This is going to be important. A voice, an angel's voice, and a trumpet. Pastor Steve, do you see the rapture in the book of Revelation? I do. But it's all over the New Testament. I'm going to show you some key scriptures here in a second. Pastor, where else do you see the rapture in Scripture? What are we talking about? We're talking about an event that happens right before the tribulation where the church, where the Lord comes back to the cloud, in the clouds and calls up his church as a divine rescue plan prior to the great tribulation. Here's another set of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The apostle Paul writes. Here's what he says. This is it is really hard to misunderstand this Scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a what? Everybody say it with a shout. And with the voice of what? An archangel. And with the trumpet of what? God. Isn't that interesting? Go back to my chart real quick. Again, boom, clouds, trumpet, archangel, a voice. What happens? We're talking about this event is next. And by the way, the Middle East, things are aligning. You'll be able to see that next week. It is clear as this message is. You'll see the clarity next week and the following week. Watch this. And the dead in Christ will rise first. I'm going to explain that in a moment. 
Then we who are alive, what? There's going to be some people that are alive when this event happens. Can you imagine the world when this happens? Then we who are alive and remain shall be what? What's that next word? Shall be caught up with them where? Go back to my chart. We shall be caught up with them where? In the clouds. That's why I see this event different from this event. We should be caught up with them in the clouds. Let's go back to the scripture. To meet the Lord in the where? Say it. Air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. Now, where does the word rapture come from? Remember, the Bible is written Old Testament in Hebrew, New Testament in Greek. The word caught up is the Greek word harpazo. And it means to be snatched up. It, needs, it means to be caught up. That, that's the actual word. Well, Pastor Steve, where do we get the word rapture from? That's not in the Bible. Well, the, the Bible's been translated in many languages, one of which is English. We're reading that today, right? But the first and primary language that Greek was translated into, one of the first, was Latin. The word for harpazo in the Greek, caught up, the word in Latin is the word rapt, R-A-P-T. That's where they get the word. That's where we get the word. Say it. Rapture. So although the word rapture is not in the Bible, harpazo's in the Bible, and it means caught up. So that's where we get a lot of our words that we use today are from that derivation of Latin language. We use it today. All right? So that's where the word rapture comes from. So the, the, the word rapture, although it's not in the Bible, harpazo's in the Bible, and it means caught up, snatched up. Those of you, I have not seen the movie. I didn't see the film. I know 65 million people have read the books and stuff of Left Behind. And uh, so some of you would be familiar with this. I, I saw the, the movie. Uh, uh, it was called The Thief in the Night. How, how many of y'all saw that? How many of y'all were Christians in the 1980s? I, I was a thief in the night. And, 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 and I believe, again, I didn't see Left Behind, but I do believe that there's going to be something similar to that. Again, I didn't see the movie, but I heard enough about it. Can you imagine, just listen to me, just think of the evil going on in our world right now. Can you imagine if all the Christians were gone? Nothing to push back. Nothing to say, that's wrong. You can't do that to kids. Can you imagine that? If, if the culture, by the way, that's going to happen. Now, the good news is we're still here to push back against the darkness, to pray, believe God, cast out demons, believe for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Listen, how many are grateful that there's still time to see our loved ones come to Christ? How many are grateful for that? There's still time. But I teach this because I believe the Bible tells us, it says, that to put an urgency in our heart to preach the gospel. See people come to Christ. Pastor Steve. The raptures, here's another concept I've heard people say. Well, the rapture is just kind of a new thing the last hundred years. And I say this respectfully, people that say that don't know their Bibles. Now, I understand exactly what they're talking about, but they really don't understand their Bible. What do you mean by that? People have been raptured in the Bible long before hundred years ago. What do you mean by that? How about Enoch? Genesis chapter 5, verse 22, or 23, watch this. So all the days of Enoch... This is about 3,500 years. It could be more than that. 3,500 years ago, three to 4,000 years. So all the days of Enoch 
were 365 years. What's the next verse? And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. What happened? He's raptured. Harpazo. He walked with God and just raptured. So don't say that, well, you know, the rapture, you know, I'm answering questions that some of you guys may have. And so don't say, well, you know, pastor, it's just like, this is just 120 years ago. This is a Western doctrine. No, there's the, the Enoch walked with God thousands of years ago and God raptured him. How about this one? How about Elijah? Remember, there's Elijah and there's Elisha. How about Elijah? Watch this. Second Kings chapter two, verse 11. Then it happened as they continued on and talked, and suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into the heaven. Did he physically die on the earth? The answer is what? No. Did Enoch? No. And he was brought up. He's brought up to, just raptured up. Oh, by the way, let's not forget our Lord. I never forget my, my, I've been to Israel a bunch of times, and my daughter and I went, when she graduated from high school, we went to uh, Israel and did a Bible tour. It's fantastic. And we were standing there in the, the Bible tour guide, opened the Bible, and read. And it's really just powerful, surreal, looking over the old city, the city of Jerusalem. And, and he opened the Bible and began to teach about this last sermon, in essence, these last words of our Lord on the earth. And then he gets to, and then he gets to Acts chapter 1, verse 9. Now, when he had spoken these things while they watched, here it is. This is Jesus. He was, oh, here it is. He was what? Everybody say this. Taken up. He was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Divine ascension. Enoch walked with God and was raptured. Elijah walked with God and he was raptured. Jesus was God and was raptured. God in the flesh on the earth. So this is not something that is unprecedented in the Bible. I want everybody to understand that. Now, I want to look at another thing about that I'm going to help give some understanding. What's this whole thing about bodies and resurrection, pastor? And I never really understood that. And people just kind of, just, I've just kind of read over that. Let me read the classic verse. Another classic verse, what I believe on the rapture, and I'm going to talk about the resurrection of bodies and how all that fits theologically in. Here it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is really going to help you guys. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Behold, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. So not everybody's going to die by way of the grave on this earth. In other words, there's going to be people alive. Watch this. That are raptured. The coming of the Lord. He shall not, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. Trumpet, archangel, the sound, the whole thing. In the twinkling of an eye at that last trumpet. There it is again. For the trumpet will sound. Does that sound familiar? Yes or no? Yes. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall all be changed. Pastor Steve. I understand 1 Thessalonians 4. I understand 1 Corinthians 15. It talks about, I understand how there's a cloud, there's a trumpet. Okay, there's this rapture. What is this whole thing about the bodies being, the dead The dead in Christ will be raised in Christ? What does all this mean? I've got another chart for you. All right? Let me give you this chart. This will help you guys. Okay, so at death, at death, this is a new thought for some people, so please 
Lean in on this, all right? By the way, you don't want to miss week four and five. Next week in the five, I'm telling you, I go deeper on this concept and the tribulation. So just stick with me. At death, watch this. What happens at death? Currently, our bodies go into the grave and our soul goes in heaven, in the presence of Almighty God. All right? What happens at the rapture? What is Paul talking about right here? I believe what Paul's talking about. Let me go back and read it so you see this. It says, it says, um, we should not all be changed. If, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. So watch what happens. At the rapture, what takes place is, remember, our Lord comes back in the clouds. Watch this. With his bride, his church, this is important, those that have preceded us in death. In other words, they've gone, they've gone before us. They've died. These are the saints of old. Now watch this. Their bodies, these are Christians that are with our Lord. Their bodies are resurrected. Watch this. Their bodies and their body and their soul is joined back at, at, the, at the rapture. Now our bodies never die. We don't die in the sense of if you're alive, when the, when the Lord comes, watch this, your body changes instantly from, watch this, corruption. Our bodies are dying right now. But when the Lord comes back, your body, this is important, your body is changed from corruptible to incorruptible, and you're with the Lord. Why is this important? Why is it important? I'll tell you why. Because this is a new thought for some people. You're going to see this in week six and seven. Because we're not going to live in heaven forever. Believers in Jesus, we're coming back to a new earth. A new heaven and a new earth with resurrected bodies that are incorruptible, that never die. Here's the good news. There's no sin. There's no sickness. Your body's perfect. There's no more hair extensions. There's no more diets. There's no, come on, are y'all excited about this or not? This is amazing. You can eat as much chips and dip as you want. Can I have a witness in God's house? Bring on the cheese sauce, baby. Queso. Hallelujah. I never understood this. I've been through Bible school. I've been through seminary. I've done all this stuff. And it's like this, this, I really, really, through studying, I really, really got it this time around. It's like I get the body thing. I get it. It's like the body resurrected. And we're going to get here. By the way, by the way, there's a difference between the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. I'm going to deal with all that in this series. There's a difference. Christians will never stand before the great white throne judgment. We stand before the judgment seat of Christ, not determined on, on whether or not we go to heaven. It's the rewards that we lay at the feet of Jesus. It's what we do for eternity. So just that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. Okay. Is everybody with me? Say, yes. okay. All right. So just, just lean in. Just, I just got a little bit more here. So when does the rapture take place? Again, let me step back and let me just say this to you guys. I believe the rapture takes place prior to a literal seven-year tribulation. I believe the church is rescued from the earth from the great tribulation. Yes, we live in tribulation now, in trials, but there's coming a great tribulation that's different than current tribulation. <sighs> Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, after these things I looked, 
And behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place afterwards. Now, I've got about 10 minutes. I want to I I land the plane talking about something that is so critical. That's happening. Watch this. Right now, in heaven, during the tribulation in heaven, and throughout eternity. I want to talk about what's happening. Please don't miss this point. Pastor Steve, what's going on in heaven right now? John sees a vision. His eyes are open, and this is so powerful. This is really when you see this, this is going to reprioritize for you corporate worship. You're going to see something. You're going to see where heaven and earth get real close with one action that we can do today. One action. Worship is so powerful. What is currently happening right now in the presence of God in heaven? Revelation chapter 4 verse 3. <clears throat> John sees the king of kings and the lord of lords. It says, and he who sat there was like Jasper. He starts seeing this vision. It's amazing. He's caught up in Sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne. He sees the throne of God in appearance like emeralds. He sees all of this, the majesty and the beauty. Watch this, Revelation chapter 5, verse 6. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, Right in the midst of the elders stood a, everybody say it, a lamb. Whoa. As though it had been slain. Verse 11. <clears throat> then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. And the living creatures and the elders and the number of them were 10,000 times 10,000. And thousands of thousands sang with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Pastor, what's going on right now in heaven? What's going on tomorrow in heaven? What's going on for eternity? And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that in I heard a voice. Listen, this is important what I'm about to say. I heard a voice. Notice what he just said. Every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. Heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. What is he talking about? I'm going to tell you. <clears throat> what did I hear? Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever and ever. Amen. Let me read one more set of verses, then I'm going to explain it. Revelation chapter 4, verse 8 to 11. Notice the response of everyone who comes into the presence of God in heaven, where there's no sin, there's no distraction, there's no what's going to happen, there's no am I going to beat the other church to, to, to the restaurant when they get out. It's none of that. It's none of what's going to happen this week and, and, and what's going to go on. And, and, and there's no distractions. And that's why there's total focus. Watch this. But you got to see something. 
The practice begins now. Look at this. Revelation 4 verse 8. Then the four living creatures, please don't miss this. And the six wings were full of eyes around within. And they did not rest day or night saying, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Who, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, they fall down before him who sit on the throne, and they worship. Everybody say worship. And they worship him who lives forever and ever, and they cast their crowns, the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to teach on that next week in the following two weeks. They cast their crowns before him saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, and you've created all things, and by your will. What's going on here? I'll tell you what's going on here. John sees this massive worship service. Please don't miss this. And he sees something. Wait a minute. There's a connection here. In heaven, on earth, oh my gosh. The only action that we can do today, don't miss this. The only action as Christians that we can do today, the only one that they're actually currently doing right now in heaven is worship. Listen to me. There's no feeding the poor in heaven because there is no poor. There's no praying for the sick in heaven because there is no sick. There's no casting out demons because there's no demons there. In other words, in other words, in other words, the only action that a Christian can do today that actually merges you with believers throughout eternity is actually worship. Listen to me. I've heard people say this before. I've heard him say this before. Pastor, did you hear that? I said, Hear what? And they said, I'm telling you, and I don't care if you think I'm weird. I don't care what you think about me. I'm just going to the Bible. Worship merges the saints on the earth with the saints in heaven. And we, we enter into a cosmic worship of the slain lamb of God. Something happens. Whoa. And I'm going to tell you something. You'll reprioritize worship. And by the way, you read, Pastor, can we worship God by ourselves? Absolutely. But let me tell you, there's a power in corporate worship. There's a power. Let me tell you something. The heaven is not I'm individually worshiping. I don't need anybody else. No. It's every tribe, every tongue, every nation surrounding the throne of God. Woo! And they're worshiping God. And they're falling down. And they're worshiping. Now, he was slain for my sin, for my addiction, for my fear. It was broken off of my life by that lamb. And let me tell you something. It's corporate worship. That's why. Let me tell you. When we have corporate worship here, listen, people say, well, I don't like the singing part. You know? And by the way, why do we make it loud at Church of the King? I'm going to tell you why. Because a lot of you can't sing and we don't want to hear it. Okay, that was terrible. I'm sorry. I can't either. Please don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. It's not just, I like pastor's talk, but I don't like the singing. The singing is actually what you're going to be doing forever. I, I'm just telling you this. One of the greatest tragedies of COVID is it disconnected Christians from singing together. Listen to me. That's not going to happen again. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to sing with my brothers and my sisters. And I understand all the complexities of all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I'm going to tell you something. 
You need to be with brothers and sisters singing to God because it's the only action we do now that you'll do forever. Okay. Man, I have so much to say. Is this helping anybody? Is this, okay. All right. Oh. I, 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 there was a lady in our church that said, Pastor, I'm telling you, I heard angels sing during worship. I don't doubt that one bit. I don't doubt that one bit. I don't doubt that one bit. Because she's on the earth. And there's saints in heaven. And she's doing what they're doing. It brings heaven and earth real close. worshiping the slain lamb of God it's about Jesus it's not about a church it's not, definitely not about a pastor oh my gosh it's not about a speaker it's about the worship of the slain lamb of God question do you know that slain lamb of God do you know Jesus I'm asking you everybody every campus matter of fact I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now just sense the presence of Jesus here right now Oh, man. If you do not know Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity. The Bible says this. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says all of us have sinned. Romans 3.23, we've all sinned. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, who is the gift of God? Christ. When we receive Christ, that's when we walk into, that's when we step into, we receive eternal life. Both qualitatively and quantitatively, we receive his life right now. And we live with him for eternity. Yeah. So before I finish this, service today. I want to ask you, do you know Jesus? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? I can't save you. Church of the King can't. Being part of a church doesn't save you. Tell you what I can do. I can point you to the one who can save you. His name is Jesus. Are you sure if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? With every head bowed and every eye closed, every campus, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you, but right where you are, right where you're sitting, at all of our locations, those that are joining us online as well, I'm just going to ask you to, at the count of three, just lift your hand up. Pastor, pray for me. I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high so I can see it. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you guys up front. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, man. Wow. God bless you. God bless you guys. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is saving people. He's rescuing you right now. From your sin, from yourself. Yeah. Giving you new life. Church family, let's pray with those that are trusting Jesus as their Savior right now. Can we just pray together with them right now? Everybody say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus... I repent of my sin. 
I let go of my past and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. Let me just pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. What a powerful message. And hey, we wanna take a minute right now to acknowledge those of you who might be making the decision for the very first time to give your lives to Jesus. Hey, we know this is the best decision you could ever make. And so we just wanna say congratulations because today you have joined the family of God. And this journey is not meant to be walked alone. So if you made the decision for Christ today, let us know, we want to know. Click the link in the chat right now. Our pastors, someone would love to reach out to you and just guide you and walk alongside you in this new journey with Jesus. So again, congratulations and welcome to the family. Well guys, that's all the time we have for today. But before we end, we always wanna remind you, hey, take a minute to think about and pray about who you can invite to service next week. As we continue our series, Is This The End? Let your friends, family members, coworkers, let someone know, invite them to church online with you because you don't wanna miss it. It's gonna be amazing. But with that, we will see you guys next week. Same time, same place. We love you guys. Have a great week.